Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, you are listening to Freight 360. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right, welcome back for episode 86 of Freight 360. This is going to be part two, all on motivation and willpower. We're going to give you some tips and tricks to hone your skills and craft your freight brokering career a little bit better. So uh, if you're if you're brand new here, welcome to Freight 360. You might want to go listen to part one first. But you know, if you've been with us for a while, welcome back to Freight 360. There's 85 other episodes you can be listening to. Leave us that review. The five stars on iTunes helps us rank better for those folks who wouldn't otherwise know where to find us. So um, and again, thanks for all the referrals. Our listenership has been going through the roof. We appreciate everyone being here every single week listening to our content. Ben, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. I'm really, I'm really excited to dig into this content again. Um, you know, we talk a lot about this in coaching and I think it's easy to lose track of this. I, I, you know, I was talking with a few clients yesterday afternoon and one of them asked me, he's like, you know, like, well, how do you manage this? And I said to him, I was like, this is where this comes from. And I said, ironically, I'm experiencing a lot of number two right now, like yesterday and today, which was, you know, watching for symptoms, lack of willpower. When you're making lots of little decisions like you and I are with building a lot of the things that we're going to be launching over the next, you know, four to six weeks, I'd absolutely found myself very self-aware of just being irritable, getting into paralysis by analysis. And seven, eight o'clock at night, I was still working, stopped to grab something to eat so that I could actually get some more back and get back at things. So. Yeah. Excited to walk us through everything today. Nice, man. Well, first, we got to do a, a quick shout out to the sports community. It is NFL Draft Week. We record on Wednesdays. So uh, tomorrow, or if you're listening on Friday, it would have been last night, is the first round, which anyone who knows the NFL Draft, Thursday is a single single uh, draft round. So every team gets one pick, unless they've traded away or whatever. But the expectations, obviously, number one pick, Jacksonville Jaguars is they're going to, they're expected to pick up Trevor Lawrence, the Clemson quarterback. Number two, the Jets, they, um, they are looking to pick up Zach Wilson. He was the BYU quarterback. And then number three, the San Francisco 49ers, they got it um, from Miami through Houston, kind of a jumble around there to get that three spot looking to pick up Mac Jones, Alabama's Crimson Tide quarterback. Um, so yeah, you know, beyond that, my bills are currently sitting at the 30th pick. There have been talks about them trying to maybe move up and grab, um, a receiver or uh tight end. I mean, it, we'll see, honestly, the bills, they don't even really need a first round pick this year. I wouldn't be sad if they traded it away for something else because the bills already have a super stellar organization and they just need to just need to hone it with, you know, make it a little bit better with, you know, a little finishing touches on it and, that's it, man. So the draft, stay tuned. We'll see how it all plays out, but no surprise usually in that first round. But uh, yeah, going on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So good stuff. Before we get into, back into the topic, Ben, talk to us a little bit, little bit about our friends over at DATO. I know we've been t- telling everybody about our links in the show notes to get that free month. Absolutely. What do we got going on? Taking the guesswork out of freight with DAT. The DAT load board network is the largest on-demand freight marketplace in North America, connecting freight brokers with available capacity on any lane. 
grow your business with tools that allow you to find new business partners. Plus, you can quickly qualify and onboard new carriers. And with the industry's leading freight rate data, you can make clear and confident pricing decisions. And as Nate mentioned, you know, partnering with us, Freight 360, DAT is offering you guys a free month. So check it out in the show notes or any of the, you know, thousands of links that are out there on our YouTube channel. And oh, yeah. You know what? I think we're going to have to have DAT rewrite that script. It, it's, it sounds a little boring to me. You know what I mean? I feel like we can always add our little pizzazz to it, but spice it up. Yeah. The big takeaway though is, you know, anyone that's new to brokering, you need to have a good, a good uh, set of tools in your tool belt and in your toolbox and um, load boards and, and rating tools are all part of it. So that's where I think DAT is, is the leader in that. So definitely check them out. Well, good. Motivation and willpower. So we talked last week, we did kind of a high level inter- introduction on it. And then um, you started getting into knowing what your limits are and, and watching for symptoms. So um, let's pick it right back up, Ben. You know, the, the, the benefit to having this kind of discussion. I know we've had people say like, well, we really love when you guys do episodes that's educational on brokering, like about produce season and about rates and how to make sales calls and how to find leads. Well, this might not be as sexy of a, um, a discussion or an episode or a series essentially, but it's, in my opinion, it's way, it's way higher level and way more important than the little basic tips in freight brokering. So that's the reality. The reality yeah. of this industry and what we see and the, the impediments or the hurdles that lie between where all of us are and where all of us want to go. This is it. I mean, yeah. this is why we're either frustrated, why we're killing it or why we're not. Um, we're all human and we all function in a certain way, kind of the same ways. And that's why I'm going to dig back in as just like an overview. And we talked a lot about motivation and willpower. And I'm going to start by defining these again, right? To motivate is to provide somebody with a motive for doing something. Motivation, the reason or reasons one has for acting or behaving in a particular way. And this is what we hear lots of people refer to when they say, look, I'm just not where I want to be. You know, I just don't feel motivated. I just can't get fired up or I have a hard time staying motivated throughout the day. And this is what they reference. This is a lot of our you know, conversations with people that want to get involved with coaching. This is what they tell us. The reason is they want to get involved, right? The reality is, is it's not really motivation. It's really more along the lines of willpower, which is the control exerted to do something or to restrain impulses. Because yeah. the reality is, is everybody knows they need to make prospecting calls. It's not not knowing what to do. So they have the motive, which is making money. They have the action, which is making the phone calls. They can't seem to either restrain their impulses from doing something else, which is procrastinating, watching YouTube, going down a social media rabbit hole. All of these things are what we do instead of what we know we need to do. That's yeah. more of a willpower issue. And I want to hop in here just to tie it back to what I said before is we can give you all the tools you need and all the little bits of information you need on, on brokerage and how to, you know, how to learn the basics of it. But if you don't apply them, it's a waste of your time to even learn those basics. So that Absolutely. this is why we, this is why we're talking about this stuff. And one of the biggest things we, I've even seen on a, on a personal basis is what we call terminal uniqueness. And anytime I ever bring these up, right, I hear, oh, well, you know, I, I'd be fine, but that's not for me. Oh, that might work for other people. But like what I do and how I run my brokerage is different. 
And the reality is, is that in and of itself is also very common. And there's a term for it, terminal uniqueness. It is the belief that the situation a person is facing is somehow fundamentally different from the situations their peers are experiencing. Yep. Oh yeah. yeah. That's way, it's way too, way too common. I hear it all the time. Yeah. They believe that no one else has encountered what they're facing and therefore nobody understands what they're going through. Just not. Yeah. That's a, that's a false, that's an excuse in my opinion. And people will say in brokering, Oh, the objections I get in my industry are so different, whether it's a specific type of freight you're moving or just a freight broker versus other sales folks. Like, Oh, it's just different in freight. Well, no, it's not. There's the same fundamentals are there. It's just, it's just, it has a different spin on it. Yep. And a lot more multitasking. There's a lot more demands on the broker throughout the day. There's a lot of demands that require you to switch activities from time to time, but that doesn't necessarily mean you go full bore and you're just compulsively acting and reacting to everything happens to you. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're going to dig into is the best way to reduce stress in your life is to stop screwing up. And I know that sounds simple, but what that really means is setting your life up so that you have a realistic chance to succeed in achieving your vision. Successful people, they found, they don't use willpower as a last ditch defense to stop themselves from disaster. They're not relying on willpower to prevent them from wanting to look at the notification on their phone. They're not relying on willpower to help prevent them from going to go down a YouTube rabbit hole in the middle of the day. What the studies found is that you can go on the offense, which is finding techniques that will help prevent the need for willpower in the first place. Self-control, right? I'm going to give you an example that happened to me last night. So I have a really bad habit of unplugging from work at the end of the day. My phone, it buzzes, it lights up. I look at it. It could be in the middle of dinner. My wife and I are talking and I, I know I'm like, wow, that's really rude. I can't believe that I'm that responsive to my phone. So last night I was grilling, making up some chicken on the grill. I left my phone outside while it was cooking and I came back in and I just hung out with my wife and my son. And it was great. Didn't have any distractions. Didn't even think about my phone. And it was just totally, I prevented, it was like going on the office. I prevented that distraction. Yes. And I would say the number one tip that I would give anybody out there is think about it just as simply as this. We all as phones came up through our lives, right? We grew up, they didn't exist. You didn't have a phone like this in your pocket. We grew up in the generation where we got cell phones as teenagers, but we watched this basically come to fruition, right? And these all started as tools like Outlook on your phone, being able to see email on your phone, not just your work computer. Then it was, well, you've always had text messaging and then it comes to other communication. So you have Slack, you have Microsoft Teams. Sometimes, I mean, I have at least five or six different apps where I'm talking to different people throughout the day, which I'm sure you have, right? Yeah. Then you have notifications, which should literally be that. A notification is a tool to help assist you. But what's happened over the past half a decade or so is that now we have these companies that are vying for our attention and they make money based on their ability to get you to interact with them when they want you to. And that's where you can start drawing the line at first is do something similar to what Nate does. Have your notifications on for the things you need during the day. But when you have family time or when you're done, turn the notifications off. 
Turn them off. Don't allow your phone to be interrupting you when you need to be staying on task to do anything. So whether it's family time, like in your instance last night, or it's, hey, I'm going to cold call for the next hour. Get a hold of your customers, make sure there are no fires before you start that time block, but then shut all of your notifications off. I shut them off on my computer. I shut the email notifications off. Turn everything off so that you can focus uninterrupted for that hour block and do what you set out to do. By far the most useful practical tip you can take from us. I love it. Love it. And now we're digging a little bit to the lesson. So we have lesson one, which is knowing your limits. The first thing is recognizing that we all have a limited supply of willpower throughout the day. It gets recharged when you eat. It's a function of glucose in your blood sugar, and it's also a function of rest. So you typically will start the day with a tank full. If you've had a healthy breakfast, that's your best second thing to do. Now, Obviously, the complexity of modern life is going to make it difficult to kind of keep these things in mind as life starts coming at you, but just start to consider a few things that happen in a typical day, right? You pull yourself out of bed, even though you want to sleep a few more hours. You've already started to diminish the willpower. You put up with traffic. You've got a little bit less. You hold your tongue when somebody says something that might upset you in the morning. You've got a little bit less. You try to maintain interest when one of your colleagues is at a boring meeting in the morning you've diminished it a little bit more. So even though these seemingly trivial things that happen to everybody, they're draining on that tank of willpower that you're going to need to really perform today. And that's absolutely your first starting point. Because depleting this, and as this tank is, you know, basically losing gas throughout the day, it's not, I guess, intuitively obvious for anybody that this is happening especially when it comes to appreciating the impact of making any decision. Virtually nobody has a gut level sense of how tiring it is to actually make decisions. So whether it's choosing what you want to have for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, whether it's choosing, deciding when you're going to go to lunch, who you're going to hire, who you're going to spend time with, what you're going to do next, all these little decisions deplete that throughout the day, right? Even hypothetical decisions, even a decision that you delayed making because you couldn't make up your mind drained willpower. And what are some of the specific tasks that are going to lead into brokerages? What do you think are some of the more thing, more, I guess, high level things or just even simple tasks that drain willpower for a broker? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a a non-brokerage related answer and then I'll give you a brokerage related answer because I just thought about this. You talked about like what am I gonna have for dinner? So this is another thing that my wife and I started doing like two months ago. We started making a list. And it's like, what should we eat this week? And we like got to like, you know, go through like we have some staple meals that we like. We'll do make like pizza once a week or um, we'll do burgers or something like that once a week. But then we'll throw in some other cool stuff and we'll do tacos once a week. But then we're like, oh, let's try this new recipe and this one and this one. So we have the whole week, you know, for the most part planned out and then we can figure out our grocery list. And then it makes what do we have for dinner tonight? So easy. You just what do we look at the fridge? Right. Look at we, the list we made. So that was something that we did to help take that away. But now brokerage, right? I think the, the biggest thing that I see with people is they just feel so cluttered. If that's a way to describe their mentality and their, they just sound exhausted and so frustrated because they're like, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And they run yeah. into a roadblock. And it's like, if you can have your day 80% planned out, right? You're always going to have to allow and, you know, expect to have some kind of yep. change and variance throughout the day, but have it for the most part planned out, right? And at the same time, know that when some, when that variance or those issues pops up, 
have a plan in place of how you're going to react, right? Let's say um, you have a customer issue, right? Or a truck falls off. You should know in your head, oh yeah, it, this is what I do when that pops up. I'm not going to freak out. I'm going to go right back to the training that I have and the, the processes that I put in place. This is how it works. Don't just have to like freak out and figure it out from scratch every single time. So I think, I mean, everyone's different, but to me, it's pl- being planned out, organized is just, it just takes the weight off your shoulders. Every You're day. absolutely right. And that's why one of the first things we do in coaching is to help build a foundation, which is work on planning and having a structure throughout your week is the more you can plan and absolutely you're not going to be able to plan for everything. But what it really is, is just taking all of the little decisions you make throughout the day, trying to decide what to do next and compressing them all into one period of time throughout the week. So you block out an hour, an hour and a half, and you try to structure the week as best you can, and then keeping these things in mind, right? So, hey, if you're going to be prospecting for an hour and a half, and right before that, maybe you don't want to be doing dealing with an RFP where you've got to be sitting there making thousands of tiny little decisions. Yep. You don't want a lot of little decisions stacked on top of each other because as that progresses, your ability to make them is going to diminish. Yeah, and I think another a caveat to that too is to – I think some of the best brokers are the, it's more of an efficiency statement is people that utilize the tools and the people around them to do functions that they're meant to do instead of trying to do it all themselves. And what I mean by that is here's an example. Uh, One of my agents yesterday asked me about, you know, he's got an RFP he's doing for a customer and there's a company profile sheet that asks like all your company's information, the MC, DOT address, yeah, you know, the executive positions and the titles there and, you know, how many assets, all that stuff, right? Super common. It's a profile sheet for a transportation company. A lot of big companies, shippers are going to want that. And he's like, oh, I'm filling this out. You know, I don't know this answer. I'm like, here's the deal, man. Whenever you get one of those, we have a department that does all the setups and they will fill out every piece of paperwork for you. They'll look at, they'll review every contract. They'll sign everything for you. They'll make sure we're not signing something that's wrong. They'll make sure if there's a question that you didn't think of, we'll we'll let you know and we'll have to get that answered. There's a reason that we have this here. Yes, you're an independent agent, but you still have a back office. It's there dedicated to do a lot of these tasks for you so you can focus on what you're really good at, which is customer management and moving freight. Absolutely. Don't worry about the little stuff. Yep. And that, and that rounds us right into number two, which is watch for symptoms. Like I mentioned, there's no obvious feeling of depleted willpower. So you're going to need to watch yourself for subtle, easily misinterpreted signs, right? The things seem to bother you more than they should, right? Everybody's had that feeling. A little more yep. irritated for something that seems trivial. Um, has the volume somehow been turned up on your life that you're feeling things more strong than usual, right? Like, hey, normally your dog barks to want to go out and it's not a big deal, but today it just irritates you, right? Like, what what do you need? Like, in fact, same thing. Like I noticed myself yesterday making all these little decisions for one of our websites and my dog just needed to go out and it just, it felt like it irritated me. Like I almost arose to anger and I'm like, that's it. Like, that's exactly what depleted willpower sounds like, right? Mm -hmm. And it was funny because last night I was thinking about that Snickers commercial. Like we even have a term for this that's been coined like hangry, which you're so hungry to be, <laughs> become angry, right? Yep. Hangry. That's that's exactly what describes a symptom of depleted willpower as you become hangry, right? Yeah, I agree. Um, 
I think, and I'm going to go back to organization. I think that, and you know, that it's, it's more of a solution than uh, we're talking about watching your symptoms, but I think if you can just be organized and have like, I'm a big checklist kind of guy, I use a whiteboard and I erase stuff when it's done, or I have a checklist on my notepad and I check them off. There's a, a level of, um, it's like gratification that I get when I'm like, Ooh, that's done. Right. It and, is. Yep. And I know that if that list gets too big, the symptom that I feel is like, Oh my God, I don't have any more room on my whiteboard. My checklist is too big. I've got way too much. And then I got to start, I got to take a second look at it and like, all right, can I group some of these together and hammer them out together? I'm like, almost like uh, batching prospects, right? Oh, I can do the, these are kind of the same. Let me do these, you know, in a row here and it'll be more efficient. Um, so but those symptoms, you got to pay attention to them. Right. Because they said, and it's really interesting is that they said the average executive puts enough on their to-do list in one day that couldn't be completed in three to four weeks. But that's what we do because we have this overconfidence in our own ability that we put all of this stuff on our to-do list and we feel like we should be able to get it done in a day. And that's where that overwhelming feeling comes from. The reality is, is that's just a tendency that we can be aware of. And if you just look at your to-do list, the first quick tip for that is if you've got any more than three to five things on there for one day, it needs to be moved to another day. Yeah. No matter who you are, no matter what your role is. And that's just a quick tip. Now, back to watching for symptoms. This is what com- this is what makes sense when you start thinking about the best way to reduce stress in your life is not to make mistakes. So if you know your willpower is depleted, you're hangry, you're likely to snap at people, you're likely to be short-tempered, you're likely to be able to make decisions that aren't in line with your long-term goals. That's what we all do when we're tired, hangry, and frustrated, right? Mm-hmm. Now, that's what they talk about in regards to being aware of this. Because what most people do is they don't notice or they have no self-awareness. They're really irritated, but then they get on the phone with an important customer or an important prospect and they fumble it. They screw it up. They say something they didn't want to say. They didn't hold their tongue. They get irritated and they lash out and then they cause more damage than any value they ever would have created. It's like trying to run your car with no oil in it. If you're aware and the oil light's flashing, stop, stop driving it, replenish the oil as it relates to you as a person, this is what it feels like to have a shortage of glucose. It feels like part of your brain's been taken from you. Like you can't concentrate. You're sitting there staring, knowing that something needs to happen and you're just wondering why you can't do it. And you can't do that until you make the decision to eat first. And that's why in most brokerages, there's a fridge full of Red Bulls or Monster. Do the same thing, right? It (laughs) immediately spikes your blood sugar. Oh, man. People live on it. The reality is, though, as, as useful as energy drinks are, when they spike up, they also spike back down. So you'll likely to experience a crash again shortly after it. So what they suggest is, you know, have a bag of peanuts or some type of protein. I have beef jerky and mixed nuts under my desk. And I try to eat those at least a handful every hour or two hours to just maintain some level of protein. And that's supposed to help with the big mood swings. So let's talk about number three here. Pick your battles. Yep. Now, you can't predict any of the stresses that are going to come your way. And you certainly can't predict your shipper's problems. You can't predict a fallout. You can't predict a carrier maybe not being honest about where they are. You can't predict a loading issue. This is the issue, right? Like in a brokerage, what are you going to do? Because you don't know where any of these things are happening, right? So some of the things they they recommend is once you're aware of how these things diminish what you're doing, right? 
if you've got a blow up of an issue, like carrier gets sidetracked, can't load or can't get out of their shipper to make it to your pickup, and you've got an urgent must get out hot load and your customers irate and worried, and you've got to jump to fix that. Well, if you have a plan, like you referenced earlier for your day, and let's say you plan to start prospecting at 10 o'clock and it's 9.30 and you got this huge situation that blew up and you have to resolve it. Well, maybe it makes a little more sense to rearrange your day so that you don't jump into another activity that's going to deplete your willpower right after, right? Yeah. It's being cognizant of what you're going to need to use this fuel for. That makes sense? Absolutely. I think one of the... Um... We use this, the pick your battles. I'm going to, I'm going to give a little military uh, side note here. Um, one of the things we doctrinally that we talk about in, in maneuvering and combat in the military, there's something called the, the principles of war. And one of them is economies of force. And it's all about using the, the least amount of resources possible to effectively accomplish a certain mission. So, uh, mm-hmm. and another one too, is about concentrate concentration of forces. And I don't know if that's part of the principles of war or if it's a different thing, but it talks about you're going to win at what you focus on. So there's two kind of different sides to it. Whereas if you have a lot of things on your plate and they're requiring like a little bit of uh, you know, let's, let's say I have, I have five things to get done today. Well, if I focus every, all my attention on one of those and I ignore the other four, I wasted a, all my time on just one thing. On the contrary to that is if I've got two emergencies that have popped up, Right. And I know both of them are going to individually require my full attention. I can't do them both at once. I've yep. got to pick one and go with it. Right. Absolutely. And that is, you know, uh, in brokerage, if you have a truck fall off and you're also trying to fill out a, an RFP and quote some lanes for next quarter, which one's more important right now? You got to get that load covered. Yep. Who cares about the friggin' the Q2 or Q3 uh, bid? You, you can do that tomorrow or on Saturday. Get that load covered. Everything else, right? Your ESPN notifications or your Twitter feed, they can wait, right? You got to take care of your customer. Pick your battles. Um, another thing too is, and this is a, I've seen this with folks trying to get customers set up. And if you've got, not every customer is credit worthy, right? You're going to have some that, uh, you know, they got some slow days to pay. They've got some outstanding claims, negative reports on you name it, website, Um, I've seen folks that come on and every single one of their bad customers that they're told like, well, we can't give them a hundred grand right away. We'll give them 15 or 20 grand to get them started off. And the people that try to fight it, it's like, dude, there's so many, you have so many customers in your book. Let's focus on the ones that are working and are profitable for you right now. And don't waste your time and energy trying to get credit for a customer that doesn't even deserve to get credit because they're going to screw you somehow anyway. So absolutely. um, yeah, it was a that, little bit of a really good segue. There, but that's picking your battles. Yep. Because, and, and it also talk a lot about budgeting your time, right? Don't give drudgery, the things that you don't enjoy doing more time than is actually necessary. A lot of people will just block out like a whole day to clean out their office. So they never do it. Um, but the reality is, is if you budget a smaller amount of time, you're way more likely to one, start it two, finish that amount of time. And then three, if you need to do it again, you do it later, right? So think prospecting, right? Budgeting four hours, if you're only going to be contacting 20 people is really just torturing yourself and depleting your willpower, right? There's something now and it's called Parkinson's law. And what it means is that work expands to fill the time you leave available for its completion. 
no matter what it is. So set a firm time limit on tedious tasks like cleaning out your office or maybe quoting lanes for an RFP because an RFP could take you like three full days. I mean, we've all worked on them that take almost an entire week. Yep. If you ever get around to it, because you have no idea how many people that I talk to, and I'm sure you talk to brokers on a daily basis that are like, oh, I've got more RFPs to get to. I just don't have the time right now. Why they're really not getting to it is not because they don't have the time, not because it's not important and not because they wouldn't get the money from it and actually secure the business. It's because they don't want to commit six hours of a day to it. The reality is, is block on an hour and a half today to start it. And then an hour and a half tomorrow if you need to. And then an hour and a half the day after. The same thing. So I I think about this when I, I go to the gym most days and I try to limit myself to like 45 minutes, an hour at most, but usually 45 minutes tops because you can get a good workout in, in that time. But there are, there are a lot of people that go to the same gym as me that they're there way before me and they're there way after, but they're sitting around smoking and joking the whole time. And it's like, dude, like you don't need to take five minute breaks between a, a different exercise or, you know, you don't have to walk mm-hmm. for 20 minutes to warm up on the treadmill. Like you're being lazy. Like just get your workout yeah. done. I mean, I get it if that's, they like spending two hours a day doing that, but it just get it, get it done. Don't waste time and procrastinate throughout the process. Well, that's it. Right. So brings us to number four though, make a to-do list or at least a to-don't list. Everyone has used the to-do list at some point in their lives. Yeah. I'll realize that, you know, most of the people out there still don't feel like drawing one up. It sounds boring, off-putting, right? So instead try to think of it as a to-don't list. That's a catalog of things that you don't have to worry about once you've written them down. This is by far one of my favorite techniques. It's, have you ever had a song stuck in your head, Nate? Yeah. That's right. There's a name for that. It's called the Zygarnik effect, right? It was, it was Despacito a couple of years ago and that song first came out and was being played every three minutes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And what this is, right? It references your unconscious mind's ability to influence your conscious mind in ways, right? And when you start to ignore unfinished tasks, what happens is your unconscious mind keeps fretting about them in the same way an earworm song keeps playing in your head, right? You can't banish them from your brain by procrastinating or just willing themselves away, right? It doesn't go away. But once you make a specific plan, your unconscious mind will be soothed. So what happens is you just need to at least plan the next step to take, what to do, who to contact, how to do it in person, by phone or email. And you can also plan specifically when and where to do it. That's better, but it's not required. As long as you've decided what to do and put it on actual paper, your unconscious mind will relax. This is, um, here's your broker tip on this one. If you use HubSpot, uh, and I'm guessing Salesforce and all the other ones do the same thing, but I know HubSpot very well. There is a uh, tasks. I actually have it open in one of my tabs right now. And it's so great because whenever I have a follow-up call with somebody, um, I throw it in my CRM after I have that call and it'll tell me like, oh, it's due on, like I have one due on May 17th because I did a one month follow-up and it'll tell me, I'll see, oh yeah, that one's coming up. And I have like four of them that are uh, for today calls I'm supposed to make. So like you can, by having a simple list and it's not like you have to think too hard about it, there's technology and tools out there that make this so simple. And it's just, oh, in the beginning of the day, let me pull up my tasks. Oh, cool. I got these. I got to get done today. And as you go through, you check them off and they go away. Or you can set a, another follow-up for two weeks or whatever down the road. It's great. Yep. 
Number five, and we alluded to this a few times, beware the planning fallacy. Whenever, yeah. you, whenever you set a goal, be aware of what psychologists call the planning fallacy. It affects everybody from young students to the highest executives in the country. When was the last time you heard of a highway or a building being completed six months early? Or when was the last time that you went to create a website and it was, oh yeah, it'll be six to eight weeks. And there you are two months later and it still has work to get done. It's like building a house. Everything it's like costs twice as much, takes twice as long and you're not the exception, right? Late and over budget (laughs) is the norm, right? The planning fallacy affects just about everybody, but it takes a special toll on procrastinators who expect to get the job done in one concentrated burst of effort at the last minute, right? Yeah. The strategy might work if they ever left themselves a big enough chunk of time before the deadline, but they don't do that either. There's a reason that project managers are a very sought out uh, occupation or position in large organizations. Absolutely. Because what happens is they underestimate how long the work's going to take. And then they discover they don't have enough time to do it at least to the the level that they want to perform it at, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So one way to avoid this is to force yourself to think about your past. All of us, whether or not we're serious procrastinators, tend to have an optimistic bias toward our own work. So it makes sense to ask our ask others to review our plans, like a coach or a manager or a mentor, right? Or you could try setting weekly smaller goals. One of the things we ask our clients to do is to set their top goals every week. You can't have more than three, and it's fine if you have less than three. But each week, we go over what they did last week and whether they met those goals or not, and then each person sets the top three goals for the next week. If you only get goals one and two done, but not three, that's fine. But you can't go off working on other goals until you've done the top three. That's it. But it's simple, and it forces you to prioritize, and it's rigorous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's great. Now, here's one one that I'm... uh... I'm curious on number six, the power of positive procrastination. I said, first of all, that's hard to say. The power of positive procrastination. PPP. Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. Eh. So what is this all about? So pro- I always thought procrastination was bad, Ben. Yeah, I mean, it's what usually a vice. But occasionally, very occasionally, there's such a thing as positive procrastination. In experiments, they found that people tempted by chocolate managed to avoid it by telling themselves that they'd eat it some other time. It's a postponement strategy that worked better than trying to deny themselves the chocolate altogether. This I'll have it later trick can work with other temptations too. So if a TV show is keeping you from getting back to work, right? Record it and tell yourself you'll maybe watch it later or save it, you know, in your favorites. You may even discover once you've finished your work that you no longer need the excuse to procrastinate and you didn't really want to watch that show anyway. Vice delayed might turn out to be vice denied. Here's a good, I'm going to give you an example. This is a, this goes way back. So um, the year was 2007. I was, I was deployed with the military and I was a, I was like a pretty overweight 19 year old at the time that somehow was able to still be in the military. I, I ended up, so I lost like 50 pounds on this first deployment and I made it a goal though. I wanted to get healthy. I want to hit the gym a lot and eat, eat healthy. So what I would do is uh, the chow halls in the military tend to have a lot of just crap in them. There's healthy options, but there's a lot of crap yeah. that you can be tempted by. So what I would do is I would say, I'm going to go to the gym first and then I'm going to eat afterward. And by the time I went, I got my workout done. I felt so good and so healthy. I was like, yeah, I'm 
definitely not going to go have those chili cheese fries. Now I'm going to go have like the chicken breasts and the salad and all the, the greens and vegetables. And mm-hmm. I lost 50 pounds on that deployment. So yeah, it's just, awesome. it was just the kind of way of, I'm going to, I'm going to wait to eat until later. And I ended up making a smarter decision about my delaying it. Right. Because what they found is procrastinators, what, what procrastination really is, is usually avoiding one task by doing another rarely does anybody procrastinate by sitting there doing nothing at all. Mm -hmm. But, and this is my favorite one coming up, especially coupled with this is there's a better to better way to exploit that tendency as well. It's called the nothing alternative. So this strategy was discovered by this as a writer named Raymond Chandler and this writer, right? He just couldn't figure out or find a way to consistently sit down and just produce writing, right? To write his books he was just befuddled by the way his other authors that he knew and his colleagues could just churn out pages and pages every day. The same way we get, we don't, we get people to call us and go, I don't understand how these other people can prospect, you know, six hours a day, every day, right? How do they do it? So what this guy did is he developed his own system. He would sit and just wait for inspiration. He believed that a writer needed to set aside at least four hours a day for their profession. So what he did was He doesn't have to write during those four hours if he doesn't feel like it. And if he doesn't feel like it, he shouldn't even try. He can look out the window. He can stand on his head. He could curl up on the floor, but he is not to do any other positive thing, not read, not peruse a website, not write a letter, not glance at a magazine, not turn on a TV, not write a check, nothing. What you find is this nothing alternative is marvelously simple tool against procrastination and really just about any other kind of task. Because although your work may be prospecting shippers or combing through weekly sales reports, you can still benefit by setting aside time to do one thing and one thing only. You might, for instance, resolve to start your day with 90 minutes devoted to you know, your most important goal with no interruptions from email or phone notifications, no side excursions on the web, just follow this regime, right or nothing. It's the same principle that we use in schools. If you make kids behave, they'll learn something just to keep from being bored. And I found this works, right? It's just two simple rules. A, you don't have to complete the task. And B, you can't do anything else. The rest will come of itself. Mm, That's cool, man. I dig that. I never thought about that. I think I would just get bored. And then I'd be like, I'm going to go right. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Number eight keep track. So keeping track, monitoring your activity. And we talk about this a ton in coaching, especially as it relates to prospecting, right? Monitoring is crucial for any kind of plan you make. It can even work if you don't make a plan at all. Weighing yourself, for instance, every day or keeping a food diary, it can help you lose weight. Just as tracking your prospecting calls will help you make more of them. The mere knowledge that you'll have to put down a number will discourage procrastination. Or maybe the busy work that might feel virtuous that doesn't really move the needle, right? The more carefully you keep track of your activity, the better. Tracking your calls every week is good. Tracking your calls every day is better. Tracking your calls and writing them down and sharing them with an accountability partner is the best. Yeah. So I'm going to give you an example. I was, cause I, the word accountability is what popped into my head when you said that. So I worked at a uh, brokerage that every morning, the first like two years I was there, my manager would send the call, the call report out that showed um, every call that you made, 
how long it lasted. So then at the end, I had your total calls and your total talk time. And I was like, man, like he never said anything about it. He just sent it out and he sent it out and the entire sales team could see everybody's calls. And it was funny because we never, it never came up as like a, you know, like, oh my God, I, I only talked for 30 minutes on the phone, but we all knew like it kept us accountable. But then if somebody were to be dipping in their performance, he could go back and say, look at your activity. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, and then it started to go away. And then he, it would only, the report would come out if, if activity was kind of low across the team, but it's, it's like an unspoken level of accountability that you're like, Oof, like big brothers watch. And even though like, he's not going to hold, he's not going to say anything bad about it, but it's just like, just so you know, here's the amount of calls you made yesterday. And then when you have one of those days where you made 60, 70 calls, you're like, wow, you're proud of it. That was awesome. I, I freaking killed it. So. And that's such a great point, Nate. It was one of my favorite things to do in my first job as a sales manager. I, I had mentioned this to you before, but my best friend and I managed a pretty large sales team in my late 20s. And we did the exact same thing. We would send it out and then we would always sort it by rank. So it would go you know, from the highest call time and activity all the way to the lowest. And then one of the things, in fact, my buddy still does this to the day, is he'll send out that call report and he'll yep. also send out the revenue report in the same email. But here's the interesting thing. <laughs> Correlation. He, he times it. Like he doesn't send out the call activity today and the sales numbers today. He sends the call activity from 45 days ago and the in the sales report today because their sales cycle is about a month and a half. So yeah. you can always see the direct correlation with why they're at number one and where their activity was. I dig it. Besides, just, you know, offering immediate encouragement, right? The other thing is monitoring lets you also improve your long-term planning as well. Because if you keep records, then you can periodically check how far you've come so that you can then set more realistic future goals and help you avoid the planning fallacy, right? Then on days when you slack off or maybe break your own rules, you might be tempted to just throw the whole project in the garbage. But the reality is then you look back and you're like, okay, well, today was a bad day because you have the reference of you've been doing good the days leading up to today. The emotions don't give you your overall perspective, right? You might feel down today, but when you look at your call numbers, you're like, no, I've been killing it for the past 45 days. Today was an off day and that's okay. But when people don't track their activity, they have these huge emotional roller coasters. It's great today. I'm on top of the world. I got a new prospect. Tomorrow, nobody answers the phone and you get kicked in the teeth and they want to quit. And yeah. that's what we see all too often in sales. It's true. It's very, very true. So let's talk about this last one. Number nine, reward often. When you set a goal, set a reward for reaching it and then don't stiff yourself, right? Because if you just use willpower to deny yourself things, it becomes a grim, thankless form of defense, right? But when you use it to gain something, you can wring all of the pleasure out of the most avoided tasks. One of the most successful strategies for promoting self-control involves rewards, whether they're being offered by a parent, a teacher, or yourself, like a computer game. So people who seem hopelessly undisciplined in school or on the job will concentrate for hour after hour, and this is one of my favorite analogies, on computer games. Games that involve the exact same skills needed for more productive work at the very same computer. They look at information on the screen. They balance short-term and long-term goals. They make a choice and they click. The computer game industry's astounding growth. Now, listen to this. By age 21, 
the typical American spends 10,000 hours playing computer games. Okay. That 10,000 hours, that number should sound familiar because that's what Malcolm Gladwell coined as what it takes to become an expert. Oh, in any field. an expert. Yeah. Now, why this occurred Probably is Probably why I'm not an expert at computer games. I don't play them. I don't either. But why it's happened is because designers of these games had an unprecedented opportunity to observe people's responses to incentives. That's all a video game is. Whether it's first-person shooter or a race car game or Donkey Kong back in the day, they're all incentives, short-term incentives to achieve the next thing. And the yep. thing is, when you're playing a video game and you die, you don't get demoralized and throw it in the garbage it keeps you excited to try again. My big, so I used to play on my iPhone Candy Crush back in the day and uh, Boom Beach was another mm -hmm. one. And it, it got ridiculous because you get to the next level and eventually it just gets too hard to like get to the next level. I just, I ended up just being like, I'm done. But yeah. some people would just, they wouldn't stop. They're like, I got to get to the next level. I got to get to the next level. I'm like, dude, I don't know how you're doing it. Online games became essentially the largest experiment ever conducted into motivational strategies. Wow. By getting instant feedback from millions and millions of online players, game designers learn precisely which incentives work. And ironically, it's exactly what you said earlier. It's a mix of frequent small prizes with occasional large ones. Even when players lose battles or make mistakes or they die, right? they remain motivated because of the emphasis on rewards rather than punishment. So how Instead does this, how does this apply to a, a freight broker? Yep. Is this something that you do? Is it self reward or is it sales management? How do we apply this? So it can be any and all, right? So for instance, like the way I set mine up when I first got into brokerage is I had weekly rewards set up for activity because the financial reward just too far off. You need something in a short enough term basis, like a video game, or that's close enough that you can actually feel the incentive. So for me, like I had little ones every week for my first like 25 weeks. Like they range from like maybe going out to lunch on a Friday, like leaving the office and going to a lunch somewhere that I enjoyed was like one. I would have things like, um, I just moved to Florida when I took that job. So I needed a new wardrobe. So a lot of my little goals were like, buy a new shirt buy a new outfit, like on, on Fridays, if I closed a new customer, maybe there was a large one, like go out to a nicer restaurant. And then the goals got bigger as, you know, my income went up. Then it became like purchase a car. It was, you know, put a down payment on these things, but yeah. you always want to have them at least aligned with a short enough period of time, like a day or a week for it to work. Yeah. So we always did, um, commission day was always a big happy hour in my team. Mm -hmm. So that, and that was, uh, Always good. And de depending on who, a lot of times if somebody had like a, just a rock star month, they were buying, they were covering the tab and they felt good about doing it. So absolutely. This and is good stuff, like, man. I, I like, that's this. the feeling we should be aiming for in the real world, right? We can do it by steadily rewarding ourselves for successes along the way, achieving a big goal, like maybe quitting smoking for a year would deserve a big reward. At the very least, use the money you save to maybe like go to it a hideously expensive restaurant, right? Yeah. But like I said, just as important as having lots of little rewards for little feats, right? Never underestimate how little it takes to motivate just you, right? For instance, checking things off of a checklist on a to-do list. Why we recommend the quarters where every time you make a call, you throw a quarter in the bucket and you hear that sound. It's a sense of accomplishment. And we've developed that in our DNA Literally, since we were hunters and gatherers. Love it.
So good discussion on this. We're going to have to hop into our Q&A here, but uh, motivation and willpower, um, really good stuff. If you guys have any specific questions on it, feel free to reach out to us. You can email info at freight360.net. Ben and I will both get that. Or you can just email Benjamin at freight360.net or Nate at freight360.net. I'll tell you that, Ben, you are the subject matter expert out of the two of us on this topic. So uh, feel free to reach out to Ben for more info on motivation and willpower. But before we get into our Q&A, we've got to mention our friends over at Lean Solutions Group. Shout out to Trey Griggs. Going to be seeing him in person in just a couple of weeks down in Florida. So, Ben, I've uh, the, one of the biggest questions I get from, from brokers and mostly agents out there is, how do I grow? What's, I'm, I'm too busy. My day's full. How do I hire somebody? And what they don't think about is the contract-based hiring. So, Lean has a nearshore model with offices in Columbia and you can, on a short-term contract, it's not a year lease or anything like that, or a year contract, you can get folks to do operations for you, sales for you. Maybe you need a new website. You know, Maybe you need, you name it, anything on the tech side, the marketing side, sales, staffing. Lean's got you covered. Check them out at leangroup.com. There's a link in the show notes. They've got a lot, just a ton of solutions to help you grow your business. So check them out. All right. Questions. Number one. What clauses, what yeah. yeah, what clauses need to be included in a broker carrier contract? Well, first of all, there's a ton of them. But I would say, um, let's just pick out a couple that are super important. And the number one that I like is the back solicitation clause, which tells your carrier that you hire that they are not allowed to backdoor solicit your shipper because now they're privy to that information of the customer, where they're picking up, where they're delivering, they know the lane. They can't just go to that customer directly and say, hey, let's cut out Nate over at uh, you know, ABC Brokerage and we'll just move this direct for you. You can't do that. And that's in a broker. I think that's one of the more important ones, to be honest. I mean, as yeah. it just relates to not necessarily contractual liability, but your business liability is you want to make sure you're not getting backdoored by your carriers. Absolutely. Any others? I mean, there's a ton of uh, clauses that need to go in there, but that's like, to me, that's a super important one. I think also in there, there's double brokering. What's that? Double brokering. If you're working with a carrier. Yeah, absolutely. So double brokering 100%. And that is like, in my, in my book, that's a one, one time and you're done. You're blacklisted. Do not use. And here's a little tip for that too. That's why we always recommend having a dispatch checklist. And one of the items on your dispatch checklist should be to ask the driver, what is the MC on the side of the truck? And then look at the MC of the carrier you booked. If they don't match, then you are likely experiencing some double brokering. But, you know, there are some rare cases where they do own trucks that are maybe on a different MC. You do want to be aware of this though. Yeah, getting a truck and uh, trailer number two, you can let your receiver know or your your uh, shipper know, and they can tell you if a different name on the side of the truck or a different truck or tractor number or whatever. Um, good stuff. Um, definitely use a model contract if you're creating your own. I know TIA's got some if you're a TIA member. Um, just Google it too. We've got one on our website. Um, fairly open source information. All right, next question. How can I get leads using Google? Well, we talked about Google alerts, right? I mean, you could just simply search. Yeah. I want to see lumber companies in Alabama, right? Or stone and brick companies in Northwest Georgia. But you could set up Google alerts and get daily, weekly, or whatever you want emails sent to you. 
that gives you any kind of news or articles or anything related to whatever your search term is, such as manufacturing projects in Oregon, and you'll get notified whenever there's something that pops up that matches that. That's those are two simple ways. Well, and I think thoughts and on I, Google. Yeah, and I think I mean Google's a tool. Obviously, I, I would add first listen to our episode on prospecting with a purpose because what we really talk about is if you have intentionality on how you're grouping and who you're prospecting and who you're going after, this becomes a much better tool because if you're going after like a specific industry or even region, then you set up the alerts to give you more updates for that. When you're just randomly prospecting whoever you feel like throughout the day, it becomes really hard to utilize other tools because the information is just literally everywhere. None of it's organized. Yep. I mean, think about it. You, you search anything into Google and it'll tell you 5,200,000 results in 0.5 seconds, right? It's yep. insane. The amount of info on there. So good stuff. Last question. What is the typical pay for a 1099 freight broker before commission? So in other words, outside of my split, what kind of pay would I receive? Um, typically zero. The caveat to that is some companies might give you a draw for your first couple of weeks until you start getting some stuff invoiced and getting paid on it. But very, very rarely you can normally expect 1099 folks to have zero base pay and be full commission. Um, this is the model that I operate in and I love it because the folks that will go 1099 are the ones that are confident in themselves and willing to bet on themselves. They'll, they'll bet the house on themselves and they know they're going to produce and they're going to perform. So they, they would rather have no base and have a high commission percentage. So, you know, that 70% payout, you're not going to get everywhere. Um, but good question. Good question. Any other thoughts? We had a good, good episode. I, I really like this topic. I, and I, I mean, it's close to my heart because I really believe that this is why people aren't getting where they want to get in life. I think it's really what's holding them back. I think a lot of even issues that I help coach people through that are maybe bordering on personal outside of business usually revolve around this topic too. Um, When you can be proactive and intentional and get ahead of issues in your life, there's just way less things to fix, which just eliminates unnecessary stress. I mean, I think this is some great stuff. If you want more on this topic too, you can pick up the book. It's called Willpower by um, the guy's name is Baumeister, the one who wrote it. And there's another book actually on the same topic. It's called The Power of Bad, which preceded it. Both really good books. Check them out on Audible. There's a lot of great stuff in there and a lot of great tips. Dig it, man. Dig it. Well, to all the NFL fans out there, good luck to your teams in this week slash weekend's 2021 draft. Whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. And throughout the draft, until next time, go Bills. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any articles and content that we referenced on this episode. Visit us on the web at www.freight360.net. And if you'd like to learn more about a new home for your agency, contact me directly. And if you'd like to learn more about me coming out to run a free complimentary sales training for your team, check me out on LinkedIn or again at www.freight360.net.